3: XRN L P Laguna Nigal Laguna Beach. Beach
2: Member supported KXFM on 104.7. KXFMradio.org. This disclaimer is a statement notifying listening audiences that any opinions
0: expressed on our shows are not representative of Laguna Radio Inc., its management or its board of directors.
2: It's Craig here with Rainbow Radio. Have you had your first cup of coffee this morning? Because I'm warning you, I've had mine. <laughs> and it's kicking in. So a little bit later, I will probably slow down. But right now, it's a beautiful day here in Laguna Beach. It says 70 degrees. Uh, it's a little cloudy, and it's supposed to be cloudy until... Well, let's see. Does it say... Percep- uh, precipitation is a 10%. Humidity, 71%, and winds are 12 miles an hour. 70 degrees and cloudy. It looks like uh, partly cloudy most of the day here in Laguna Beach. So, you know, typical Laguna Beach weather. In the afternoon, it's fabulous. <laughs> so we're very, we're very happy you're here. I want to thank our sponsor, Mike Johnson of Compass Realty. A uh, Shout out to him this early morning on Saturday morning. Not too far away from the, uh, the big day, November 3rd. I hope everyone has got, I got my ballot in. I went and dropped it off and then I made sure that it's the same day that there, all of a sudden there were all these uh, reports of uh, boxes that were semi-legal, I guess, uh, from everything I can determine. There's no law against it, but it uh, just it doesn't stand well in the face of honorability I think anyway, so I was concerned, and I went online, and, which everyone can do. Uh, if you have your, um, you just need to know a few things about yourself, like your address and your and your name, maybe your social. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly. But I was able to verify that uh, they had received my ballot, and there were no issues with it. So uh, it's a good feeling. Um, and if you haven't done that, you can drop it off at the drop boxes and and uh, track it online really easily. It's, it's a great way to... To know that you've made your contribution to our great country. So, and I do love the US of A. I do, I do, I do. <laughs> I was thinking of lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Anyway, um, I have a guest this morning, Don Price from the Friendship Shelter. I got to talk a little bit about that. Look to Beach Pride here. Looking uh, to be tried 365, in fact. A nonprofit uh, organization is having yet another fundraiser for those people most affected by uh, COVID. That is COVID nineteen. So um, we are at an all time high, and it just continues to to um, look more and more bleak as we the weather gets colder and people withdraw into their more close environments. Unfortunately, and so we are at an all time high as I speak for new cases, which is pretty, uh, uh, unpleasing, uh, in which we didn't have to be there anyway. Uh, so, uh, we're trying to make a contribution here in lovely Laguna beach and those are most effective, uh, affected by, uh, their own personal situation. I have to say, I, you know, as president of Laguna beach pride, I went and we presented a check a donation, which we raised funds on our first event, to the uh, Laguna Pantry. So glad I did it. We did it, Michelle and uh, and Jonathan and I really put it together. And Terry, who is in Dora, love him, love his work, <laughs> love everything about him. He, uh, we all put it together. We got some money. We donated it to the food food pantry. Well, I'm out there at the food pantry, and they have quite an operation out there in the canyon. I have to tell you and uh, they were telling me that it wasn't all that long ago they had less than a uh, hundred uh, people they would give uh, provide food for on a daily basis. Uh, I I don't know if it was seven days a week, but certainly five days a week. So I'm there and I'm watching people come through, and um, it it's heart wrenching um, when you the, people are are in get, getting food and the comments like. I never thought I'd be doing this. You know, in other words, uh, you know, a year, well, nine months ago was the farthest from their mind that they would be running out of food and running out of money and can't pay the rent. And all those other things that go with being a responsible adult um, came crashing down. And for some of these people, it's a lifeline. And it's so heartwarming, the work they're doing at the food pantry. I can't tell you uh, if you want to an emotional moment, go out and, and help them uh, pass the food out for part of a day or volunteer for them. Uh, their um, number of people on a daily basis has gone up to around 240 from, uh, so it's almost tripled what it was um, pre-pandemic. And uh, so that tells you a big story right there. And they're doing a wonderful job, as are all the food banks around the I know someone else who is a manager of another food bank, and it's wonderful uh it's that that safety net is there for those I don't think anyone in the u s should go without food I mean that's pretty basic things you know that and then follow that with um health care and then the the playing field's pretty level you know uh, everyone can pursue their their dreams um, but that would be a good start you know health care and food for everyone I mean not that everyone. We give everyone food, but food for those that don't have it, and certainly a health care for everyone. And I can't say that uh, everyone needs health care. I don't think there's any, there aren't any exceptions, unless you're superhuman, um, which there may be a few people that believe that. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. So we're um, we have a guest this morning, which is where I was headed 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Her name is Dawn Price, and she is the executive director of Laguna Friendship Shelter, which is a neighbor to the food shelter, uh, food bank. And so uh, she's going to be here because the next charity, we're doing another charity. We're doing another fundraiser, and it is on, uh, it's for Halloween. It's called Spooktacular. Spooktacular. And Endora will be there yet again. And you can go to Laguna Beach Pride and get your free bingo card. Lots of prizes. It's all free. There's no cost. If you want to donate, that is very much appreciated. You can donate anything. I think the low end is $3. But, you know, a $5 donation from everyone would be fantastic, you know. And uh, just rest assured that that money doesn't go to Laguna Beach Pride. It goes to the charity, which in this for this event is the Friendship Shelter. So we'll find a lot more out about the Friendship Shelter in just a few minutes. She'll be calling in and we'll interview Vaughn, uh, Dawn and find more and more about it. But that is what I want you to do is mark your calendars. It's the 29th, which is Thursday uh, before Halloween, 29th of this month. So we're not far away. Today's what, the 25th? 24th so in five more days it's this next week so and it's and it's on Thursday it's from 6 to 8 p.m which is uh, the time you get a free bingo card and then you uh, watch it on zoom and the numbers will be called and if your bingo card wins you say hey I'm a winner and we give you a prize typically it's been a $25 gift card uh, or a $50 gift card it depends how we um, lay it all out and we usually play about eight games and uh take donations and uh, a few interviews and stuff a few pub- psa's public service announcements <laughs> but this uh this event is held downtown it's not a live event but it's a virtual event but we host it from downtown so we can feature what goes on on the promenade it's really done up for halloween looks fantastic i can't wait for Christmas. And see how they do it up for Christmas, but it's it's to promote the local business commerce of Laguna Beach, as well as help those in need that are most affected from COVID. So it's a very honorable project. It is uh, endorsed and supported by the city of Laguna Beach, and uh, 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 Laguna Beach Pride is a nonprofit. So uh, it's none of it is for profit. Okay. <laughs> and it's a lot of hard work. I got to tell you. (laughs) So $5 goes a long ways. I got to tell you. And, uh, it's also supported by the Laguna Beach chamber of commerce. So we love both of those organizations and thank you so much for, uh, allowing us to do this for the community. Um, and it's, like I said, it's about a two hour program. You can come in for 10 minutes if you want, or, or two hours, whatever floats your boat. Um, but it's a fun after, uh, evening, and that again is the 29th, which is Thursday of next week. It starts at 6 o'clock. You can go to LagunaBeachPride.org, the website, or just just uh, Google Laguna Beach Pride. Once you get to the website, you'll it's easy. You'll find out all you need to know in three easy steps. So just go to Laguna Beach Pride. That's all you need to remember. We'll see you on Zoom on Thursday at 9 p.m. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll save the world one step at a time here in Laguna Beach, California. Thank you for tuning in to KXFM 104.7 and Rainbow Radio. This is Craig Rainbow. We're going to have a, a short song, but probably before we get through the song, Don will call in and we'll get all there is, find out all there is to know about the Laguna Beach um, Friendship Shelter. How about that? Right now, right now, we'll go to Budapest.
0: Miles in Budapest, my, my hidden treasure chest, golden grand piano, my beauty Focus E.O.U. Ooh, you, yeah. ooh, I be Vido. My acres of a land, by the chief. It may be hard for you to stop and believe, but for you, ooh, you, ooh, I'd leave it all. Ooh, for you, ooh, you, ooh, I'd leave it all.
2: I think we're live with Dawn. Are you there, Dawn? I am. Hello. Oh my goodness, <laughs> she is there. How are you? Well, I'm fine. I I've know. had my I've had a couple cups of coffee, you know. This morning, uh, there's an old George Carlin comedy act where he goes, well, "Don't you just hate it when you come in in the morning and people they go to the break room and they have all cups of coffee and they just talk, talk, talk. I'll have a couple more cups of coffee and they just keep talking. They just drive you nuts, you know." <laughs> That's where I'm at this morning.
3: <laughs> Thanks for the memory. I loved Georgetown. I was a big fan.
2: <laughs> so I got to start with something first. First of all, this is KXFM 104.7. We have Don Price uh, from the Friendship Shelter. We're going to find out all about the Friendship Shelter. But I have a personal interest. I want you did a radio show here from KXFM.
3: We did. We had the Friendship Show for a couple of years at 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings. In My slot. Very time slot. Yeah, so this <laughs> is really uh, just a trip down memory lane just to be well, anytime I'm on the um, Kix 93.5. I'm, I'm just glad to do it. I think it's a great organization. But also just to be in this time slot is really cool for me.
2: Yeah, I, it's a deja vu a bit, I suppose, except yeah. you're not in the, in the studio which has changed a few no. a little bit uh, we you know had um
1: yeah.
2: what i can't think of her name that design build uh judy uh, julie lawton mm. did a major renovation of it uh, this last year oh. and so you probably wow, recognize it yeah we got i it. probably haven't
3: seen it yeah my, my husband is actually on the board at cake three five, so oh um, no we do, the, we do the fundraiser every year so I'm, I'm newly there for that, so but it's been a um, couple, at least a year since I've been in the studio. Well, the
2: fundraiser is coming up for uh, the station yep. here, and I'm going to be—I think I volunteered.
1: <laughs> Great.
2: Yes, to do a, <laughs> yeah. a guest DJ with a guest. So um, I'm nice. soliciting guests, by the way. If you, uh, right. just so you know. <laughs>
3: Well, I no. think I'm already competing with
2: you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> what is it called—the
3: Golden Tongue or something awards?
2: Yeah. Oh, I hadn't heard that. That's
3: that yeah, sounds yeah. rather
2: provocative. <laughs> <It's fun. laughs> <laughs> Got to be careful here. <laughs> oh. oh my! So uh, mm-hmm. I did warn the people on the uh, listening on the airwaves and uh-huh. in their apps and at their various locations around the globe that uh what we were doing with on the 29th and the and the the f- um friendship shelter as the chosen yeah i just um, wondering uh and, and so i guess the next it draws into the question what is the friendship shelter all about you know and when did it start i just give us a, a give us a, a good overview yeah. and, and why the heck how long have you been there
3: well, uh, thank you, first of all, for oh, that you're no. excited <laughs> about Bingo Night and um, really humbled by the community support overall. This past during these this many months of this um, health emergency, uh, Friendship Shelter uh, was uh, established in 1988. So wow. um, we are more than 35 years old now, and uh, are uh, have been in the community. We are established by people in the community that saw a need and wanted to respond. Um, Our earliest beginnings before 88, when our building opened was of a community running a shelter program out of um, St. Mary's church and um, uh, learned very quickly that that doesn't work well. (laughs) And that that you really need your own space for a a program like that, that um, it's hard to, manage two competing needs for our building. So they um, acquired our building on Coast Highway um, in 87, and we opened in 88. Um, that is in a former residential um, uh, motel uh, right on Coast Highway, and we've operated that continuously since that time. And then in, in 2009, uh, we opened the emergency shelter you mentioned next to the food pantry out in the canyon, and that is a Um, a collaboration with the city of Laguna Beach, which is the primary funder out there. And that's um, another emergency shelter program. And then uh, uh, later, I've been here with the organization 12 years, so since 2008. And um, uh, in the mid, in early 2010, um, we uh, began to realize that shelter um, treats a problem, but doesn't solve a problem. And so we began to establish housing. And so now today we have, we just uh, opened our 100th unit of permanent supportive housing, which is housing with ongoing services for people with long-term homelessness and and a disabling condition. And we just opened our 100th unit of that kind of housing um, just this last week. So, um, we have
2: several locations now and serve all of South Orange County. Nick, um, something I find interesting I want to touch on, and mm-hmm. it's I guess it's there have been some uh, case studies about housing, and uh, and there's a kind of a buzzword now that it's housing first, mm-hmm. um, and that with that uh, approach, it's uh, much more successful. Uh, means to get people off the street and on a permanent long-term basis what's your thoughts on that and how did that is that something you do at the friendship shelter
3: it is and it was part of the sort of the trajectory of leading us toward providing housing was learning about what other organizations around the country are doing what best practices are considered for housing people who are experiencing homelessness and housing first is a pretty wide um category and it what it really means is we're not going to ask people to solve every problem in their life before we allow them to have help being housed um that doesn't happen for most americans and we don't believe it should happen um for our homeless um, brothers and sisters either and so um It can mean as much as just helping someone very quickly get back into housing by paying a little bit of rent and a deposit, and then they're on their way. And for um, between 60 and 70% of the people we serve in our shelters every year, that's the answer. It's just a little bit of a leg up, get them back into housing, and then they're going to subsidize. They're going to continue with no subsidy at all. Excuse me. They're going to pay for their housing going forward, um, either through reuniting with family or starting to pay for their housing again. And so most of the people we see in our shelters, that's what we're doing. But for people who, I think when people think of housing first, they more often think about um, one category of housing first, which I mentioned earlier, permanent supportive housing. And that's housing that's reserved for people who have uh, a permanent disability a disabling condition, as well as long-term homelessness. So there's some evidence um, both in terms of the diagnosis of the disabling condition as well as the evidence of homelessness, that this is a person who's not going to resolve on their own. They're not going right. to, um, it's not an easy fix, and that they're going to need support. And we all have people like that in our lives. Oh,
1: Everyone
3: yeah. I talk to can think of somebody who would not be housed without the support that they have, whether that's family, friends. Uh, whatever it might be. Right. And, um, and so permanent supportive housing, we sort of become those family and friends. We help provide the ongoing support so that um, folks like that can stay stably housed. And that's the housing that I mentioned earlier that we just passed the 100 mark for that's the specialized housing that we provide directly. Um, and so it can get a little confusing when I talk about housing, because we house a lot more people than the people we permanently support. Yeah. Um, but it's two separate sort of categories of housing and a very, very important um, permanent supportive housing is extremely important for the people who need it. And for the community, um, a person with a long-term chronic homelessness on our streets will cost us on average about hundred thousand dollars a year in terms of police, um, emergency wow. response, emergency rooms, outreach services, shelter services, comparing that to the cost, even in very expensive orange County, of about fifty-one thousand dollars a year for someone to stay in supportive in permanent supportive housing and have not only their housing provided but also supportive services. So, it's a good deal for the taxpayer and it's in my mind very much the right thing to do as well.
2: Yeah, I am. Um, I love programs like that, and and it's not it's not a simple let's look at one thing and that doesn't work. Why are right. we paying? You know, there's so many mm-hmm. there's it. The the com the the solution has many legs, and um
1: yeah,
2: and you got to work yeah, them exactly. all out and walk in the same direction yep. with it. Or yeah, it's, yeah. exactly. I have um well, or really, you
3: know, we're, sorry, go ahead. I would
2: say I have an older brother who uh did probation and and mm-hmm. saw so many of these kids that were problems and uh young. They were eighteen to twenty six. Was the age group he worked with? I and mean, yeah. still young enough that you can hopefully guide them in a better direction if they're having problems, but there were all kinds of problems from being on the street to, and so when, if they got into a situation where they had uh, broken the law, the, the various counties in the state could uh, do a couple of things, but the, the court could sentence them to three years in county jail, or they could go through a nine month program that was a heck of a lot less expense to that County for those nine months. Yeah. And they got their GED And so my older brother was so successful with it, and it was uh, a facility north of uh, Sacramento out in the hills, Mm -hmm. and he had therapists, he had nutritionists, Mm -hmm. he he had everything, and it was funded by three counties, and it made money, and it saved the other counties a ton of money. And it was, it was a perfect solution. It was called Fout Springs Boys Ranch is what it was. And I, I, and and the recipient what is that word? Recividancy where you recommit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think it was, it was only like 8% for the people that graduated from it. So he, uh, the statistics were, were, were really great. And in fact, um, one of the kids mouthed off to a judge and said, you know, if you think it's so easy, why don't you go? And she says, I think I will. (laughs) And so she did go. She only stayed, she didn't stay for the nine months. She stayed for four or five days to, to, you know, check it out. And the news media was there and they made a big deal of it, but uh, it showed that it was the right thing, the the right solution. Yeah. And I got to imagine you have to constantly uh, like look at it and, and uh, think about what, Improvements because it's it's not exactly exactly sta- it's not static it's constantly moving and yeah. changing and with that what's happened with COVID is how it's how has it affected your operation?
3: So you know one of the things that's really interested about interesting to us about uh, COVID nineteen and like any business like any person um, we uh, have had to make big changes and small changes and we've um, learned a lot through this process and so. But the biggest learning we've had is, is yeah. kind of a, um, a, a, a maybe it a, should have been an obvious thing, but we've certainly learned uh, even more so how important housing is because we have, as I mentioned, you know, we've got between the two shelters we have um, when we're operating normally, we have about 75 people in shelter. And then we have, as I mentioned, 100 people in our housing and um, the the ways we had to twist and change our program to meet the needs of the um, of the pandemic in our shelter side were so much larger than what we had to do in housing. Because when you tell a whole state um, to shelter at home, yeah. if you don't have a home, that's a big, huge issue. <laughs> and so- we, I shouldn't laugh,
2: but I it. mean, yeah, sometimes- yeah. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying. Sometimes the, the best solution is the simple one or the, or the obvious one. one. I, even Elon Sarah. Musk, he says, he says, you know, sometimes I kick myself because we come back to the simple solution was right in front of us. And you look at it, exactly. well that was, that was nearly as complicated as I thought.
3: Exactly, It shouldn't be complicated that housing ends homelessness and housing is better than homelessness. But we really learned that this year, that the, the, the clients that we had in our housing and staff that were working in the housing program they definitely had to change the things. They definitely had to adapt, but it was miles easier to make those changes than what we had to do in our shelters, which is achieve um, social distancing. In oh, yeah. you know, in one case, that facility next to the that you mentioned earlier next to the food pantry, um, that's a single room. That's a congregate shelter that was um, before COVID people sleeping about 12 inches from each other on mats on the floor. And so we had to reconfigure wow. everything in there. We had to pause and still have pause, a drop-in day program that we typically run out of that building and um, put people in I mean, further away, be very creative. And we got a lot of good guidance from CDC and HUD about how to do that in the shelter. So we felt very well supported. Um, Did you get some financial change.
2: support with any programs because of COVID?
3: Um, uh, we, a, a we, bit. We certainly got some uh, a big uptick in private support early on um, and um, some, some great support from the city in terms of some special programs and county support. Um, and uh, that was important because in addition to the distancing, we, of course, had to buy a lot of personal protective equipment, a lot of hand sanitizer, a lot yeah. of those kinds of things. And then we had to completely change up how we do meals, which was probably um, financially the biggest risk for us because we, were, we, we rely on uh, volunteer-provided meals in both shelters. Um, and nearly every night in each shelter, a community group comes, and before COVID came, and they had prepared their meals and set the food out, and it's a buffet-style Everything we know we can't do now. <laughs> oh my gosh! And and provided by volunteers who came inside and Ugh. engaged with our clients and um, provided a meal to them. And none of that was going to work under the pandemic conditions. But our volunteers have surprised us. Most continue to come and drop off meals, or arrange for you know they're they're supporting local. Restaurants by purchasing meals from the restaurant, oh, and um, we've we've just um, and then we've had to adapt with additional staff to plate up that food, um, oh. so that it's served plate by plate. See, I never went on a buffet line, so that's been kind a of big change for us. Oh for
2: yeah, me. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah,
3: absolutely. But I think the other things we've learned during this time, you know, our program director likes to say. Um, We learned we can do hard things and we can do them fast. (laughs) We learned we have a a really good team.
2: Andrew Carnegie said diamonds, but are mere coal put under tremendous pressure. And with that, everyone could become a diamond, you know, but he was very, very wealthy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We're making some diamonds for sure. You know, when the governor said stay at home, our staff had to show up at an, at a, homeless shelter the next day and provide service and they did and they've been tremendous they're kind of the unsung heroes of the um essential workers i think um but the other thing i would just say as a takeaway is that um homeless people who have experienced homelessness and are in our housing in our shelter are some of the most resilient people i know and when we were kind of all freaking out and this is an emergency and what are we going to do those first early weeks, we took a lot of strength from our own clients who've oh, been well. through so much in their yeah, lives. Gonna, and I'm tearing just, up. <laughs> yeah, they were just yeah. adapting better than we were, quite frankly, early on. And uh, and still, it's just been, um, you know, I'm always deeply moved by our clients and their stories. But we've learned so much this during this time about resilience, um, both in ourselves and in the people that we serve. Yeah.
2: Um, have you seen an, uh, an uptick in, in homelessness during this virus?
3: Uh, not yet. The other thing you mentioned earlier, I, I forgot to go there, um, other like special things that we're doing in special uh, programs. Right now, we're operating a program for the county, and we serve all of South County, so we're doing the South Orange County part of this. Um, One of the ways that shelters were able to operate during this pandemic and continue to is because there was a special program set up by the state called project room key and they uh, master leased motels and provided a place for people who didn't have a shelter bed to go. That was one program of one part of that. And then the other part was, um, motels for medically fragile people people who really couldn't be safe in a shelter um and also people who were sick and symptomatic so the way we've kept we've had um, almost no illness we've had one positive test in all of our shelter program this entire time among our clients
2: that's amazing
3: and um the way we've kept that number down, I believe, is um, because we, uh, the great work of our staff, but also that the county had this program that if someone was sick or symptomatic or medically fragile, we could call the county and have them picked up and taken to one of these motel programs so that they were isolated and away from the general shelter population. And all of that has been a great support. Those programs are sunsetting because the funding runs out at the end of this year. And so the project we were hired on to operate is the sort of the next step project, which is kind of Friendship Shelters' specialty is getting people from their temporary solution to their permanent solution. And so we're tasked now, we have about 120 people that have been in this motel program that we're serving and following and helping them. Uh, hopefully by the end of this year when the funding ends, um, have a large number of them transitioned into permanent or semi-permanent as like Mm -hmm. other shelter type of programs. And so it's been um, a a real heavy lift for our staff, but also um, we feel very good about being asked by the county to play this role in helping these particularly vulnerable people stay safe and also help the community stay safe by not having a bunch of homeless people just wandering it's a win it's a win for everyone
2: well you know i i have to say from from the outsider kind of looking in i mean i've been probably closer to these things than Mm -hmm. many other people but still an outsider i don't i can't imagine many people really fully understand the amount of work and the amount of programs that are out there to help people and yeah. that this work goes on kind of behind the curtain, not really, but mm-hmm. it's not being kept a secret. It's just that it, these things need to be done and they, they manage to be, to be done, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's very heartwarming and especially in the climate of uh, where everyone is so antagonistic, uh, particularly in politics, that mm-hmm. it's nice to, to think someone is doing something positive, you know, I, um, you know, for, for me
3: personally, that's, how i'm getting through this pandemic is (laughs) the constant positive work that you get to be a part
1: of and it um it helps you count your blessings
3: and it helps you uh feel good about the world
2: well laguna beach pride uh, just donated a couple hundred dollars to uh gay for good which is a organization Mm -hmm. uh a national organization but uh there's not really one in laguna beach it's long beach is the closest chapter really I'm just writing mm-hmm. the check and sending it and knowing and getting a th- yeah. nice thank you note from them. It just made me feel so good. Like it's, it's helping and it's a, it's a contribution, you know, and, and no one yeah. can take that from me, you know, uh,
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and,
2: or the money that went to the food pantry. And I hope we get lots of money for yeah. the friendship shelter. You know, I'll, well, I, we're- I want to toss this in there too, Don, we're, mm-hmm. um, the Rainbow Radio is about. Uh, we try to kind of stay on the road of LGBTQ issues. It, it, do you huh. see anything uh, in the homeless situation that relates to uh, yeah. those demographics?
3: Absolutely. Um, we know that um, transgender individuals are more likely to be homeless than than their um, cisgender uh, yeah. counterparts. We know that. Uh, unfortunately, um, the current leadership in the um, in the federal administration on homelessness has just relaxed um, some rules that um, that, pr- that required federally funded shelter and homeless programs to uh, to not discriminate based okay. on um, uh, especially on um, transgender gender status and transgender. Um, I'm really proud, you know, we, we work in Laguna beach and that is a community that has a long history of inclusion and
1: um, our,
3: (laughs) our organization, from it, the day it opened its door, we had, um, LGBTQ, um, clients, staff, we had the transgender staff member early on. We have always welcomed, um, people who, um, Either their uh, LGBTQ status um, or um, other issues associated with that have, caught, have um, contributed to their homelessness, and we've always been proud to be a safe place for uh, for folks on, um, in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community to find shelter and support, and so. Um, and that's because Laguna beach has absolutely nurtured that in our organization. Um, it's, uh, something. Thank you. (laughs)
2: um, I'll say thank you for the community.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, you know, I came in 2008 to a place that felt so inclusive and we've, um, tried to continue to, to grow that. So, um, but it is an issue for youth, um, gay and lesbian youth and transgender youth certainly, um, Uh, find themselves homeless uh, because of family strife or because of their own um, uh, struggle through their identity and their journeys. And so we see, we, we have, you mentioned your brother's program, one of our housing programs in San Clemente, 14 units in San Clemente is specifically for um, transitional age youth. So 18 to 25 year olds, similar to the population, your program helped and, um, It's permanent housing, but it's permanent housing with an age limit. So um, the goal there, as you said, when you're talking with someone that young, you really have an opportunity that you want to take to change the trajectory of their lives. And so um, we hope we can get folks to a place where they can um, uh, don't require the ongoing support of permanent supportive housing, but if not, we can transition them into our other housing programs. And um, so that's a very important program, and we do see, you know, Probably more LGBTQ uh, people in that program than in our general population programs, in part because homelessness is such a uh, issue for uh, young people
2: who you know, are uh, members of the I community. I managed a, a bar here in Laguna Beach two, up to two yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. and I think everyone kind of feels like uh, the gay being gay is like okay, and no one there's no real. <laughs> I don't know, not that your head's in the sand, but you don't, you don't think in, that would have been what, 2018, that a Mm -hmm. parent would throw their kids out of the house because they found out they were gay. And that happened a couple of times while I was there. And I remember I gave one, one guy, a, a, a a sleeping bag and a foam pad. So he had some place to sleep, you know, and people were charitable at the, at the club. I mean, they would, Right. They would help them out, which which felt good, but I I was not aware of Friendship Shelter just two years ago, mm-hmm. and wow. I I kept thinking where can I send these people, you know, uh, yeah. when yeah. they're in this situation, and uh, everyone said we'll call the the um, Orange County LGBTQ Center, mm-hmm. which is in mm-hmm. and and they would could do some referrals, and so that's what right. I did. So hopefully they referred. Yeah. And then back to the Friendship Shelter, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, we
3: do. Yeah, we, we work closely with them. We're, you know, Orange County is going to be getting a, a really great organization soon called Covenant House that's been uh, active in um, the Bay Area as well as Los Angeles for many, many years. And um, they're going to be opening youth shelters soon. And it, uh, that's going to be a big improvement for our county. Oh, wow. They it's called the Covenant
2: Center?
3: Covenant House, yeah. Oh,
2: Covenant yeah, House. They're great. Uh,
3: um, but we will continue to serve the population and, and and um
2: remain the inclusive organization that we were founded as well um, i i'm so we're all so very aligned e- <laughs> i'm so excited and you know we're go- i hope you have time or someone has time during the on the 29th when we do the bingo to stop by and say hello and uh down on the promenade and we'd love to hear okay. if you make you know do a little mini interview uh sure. and,
1: we can do that
2: yeah i cuz um I think last time Sue Kemp she stopped by and a few other people. Oh, and yeah, the the um, I can think of her name. I think it's Anna from the from
3: oh, and Belier. Yeah,
2: yeah, and she stopped by representing the food pantry. So it was sure. nice to break be it up too. a little bit. Yeah, if someone has time, it's no big yeah. deal. But it would be wonderful and uh,
1: nice.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, mention what it's all about because we had a few questions we asked them. Some people were great. Had, so, yeah. yeah, you know, thank you for calling in and uh, my copy. I think I need a cup of cup, cup, coffee, you know. <laughs> <It's>
3: just... <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's uh, We're so honored to be, uh, that you thought of us uh, for the bingo event.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, there was no, I did check a few now. references and let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you walk on holy water, I swear. <laughs> oh
3: my goodness. Uh, it's well, all good. <laughs> you Absolutely. You too.
2: Thank you. Uh, well,
3: we'll see you Thursday night. Thanks see you so Thursday
2: nice. night. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again. Bye bye.
3: Take care.
2: All bye. right. This is KXFM one hundred four point seven, Rainbow Radio. Here on Saturday. This is Craig sorting through life as it is and politics and everything. I got a smooth and mellow song from Ava Cassidy to help us look to the future in a with a good perspective. How about, how's how's that sound? <laughs> Take it away, Ava Cassidy.
0: It's easy if you try. No help.
2: Thank you, Ava Cassidy. A very poignant, thoughtful song. <laughs> and what would KXFM Rainbow Radio be without on this day in history? History. So here we go. There's a few a few fun things going on. I always like it because i I feel that we look at what's happened, and then it comes to current date and what is going on. And that perspective of where we've been and what's happening is is the interesting part, and that's the part we can kind of talk about. But where we start with this one, October 24th, on this day in history, starts in 1977. And not very nicely, I might add. Eight men are killed and six injured in a fire at a gay porn theater in Washington, D.C. The only emergency exit was padlocked, and there were no fire sprinklers in the building. And I think, you know, that was a time when those kind of activities were kinda of off the map and hidden away, and I, I can see how that would happen. Sorry sadly. In nineteen eighty-one, the first national conference on lesbian gay aging is held in California. That's eighty-one. Nineteen ninety, the Smithsonian accepts a small donation of gay and lesbian artifacts for inclusion in its National Museum of History. The collection is stored in a non-public area for the time being. Hmm. Well, that's 1990. Maybe they've sorted it out by now. Maybe the Smithsonian has brought it a little more mainstream than in a a non-public area. (laughs) In 2000, we can hope. In 2002, Harry Hay, leader of the early gay rights movement in the United States, co-founder of the Mattachine Society and the Radical Fairies, dies at 90. I've heard about Harry Hay's legacy uh, pretty profound. Maybe they'll do a documentary on him like they've done on um, Harvey Milk. Now we're going way, way back on October 25th in 1783. Woo-hoo. In West Point, New York, Deborah Sampson is honorably discharged from the Massachusetts Regiment. Wounded in one of several battles in which she fought, Simpson had escaped discovery For almost a year and a half until falling sick with a fever on one of the earliest American examples of a, of a uh, passing woman, Samson for several attachments with women while dressed as a man. She later marries and receives a military pension. So that all worked out in 1982, Northern Ireland repeals its sodomy laws as it's still, there's a few here on the book still in, in the good old U.S. of A, but, you know, these things take time. In 1985, uh, against Mayor May Koch's recommendation, New York State urges local New York City health officials to paddle out gay baths and sex clubs a month after the Mineshaft is shuttered, followed by Plato's retreat, a straight swingers club. Hmm. I think that was in the throw of HIV. It was. In 2006, New Jersey Supreme Court rules four to three decision that the state constitution guarantees same-sex couples all legal benefits of marriage, but does not explicitly legalize same-sex marriage in the state. In 2011, the Supreme Court of Brazil ruled in favor of two women seeking the legal civil marriage A legal civil marriage it found that the sexual orientation could not uh, serve as a pretext for excluding families from the legal protection that marriage represents now that is in brazil in 2011 and it seems brazil goes hot and cold on on rights you know uh, one minute it's super conservative well i suppose you could say that about the united states (laughs) one minute it's Pretty liberal and embracing, and diversity is is cool. And then, you know, then it changes. It's not, and there's a lot behind that. I won't go there right now. But 1989, a planned uh, college production of The Normal Heart provokes protests and violence in Springfield, Missouri. However, all eight performances sell out in four hours. I have to say something about Springfield, Missouri. I work for a hotel company based there for eleven years. And often the Springfield is considered the buckle of the Bible belt and uh, pretty conservative. And so I knew that working for this hotel organization after 11 years, it slipped out that, well, I might be gay and within three months I was gone and uh, I knew it was coming. I heard the rumors I knew. And it was just for that reason. And, Uh, Although they gave other reasons, but that was just that I had all sorts of accolades, awards, I was recognized for this, I got raises and promotions, and then this one little thing got in the way. So I'm not surprised that uh, the normal heart provokes protests and violence in Springfield, Missouri. However, all eight performances sell out in four hours. So that's a bit of bittersweetness for me, I might add that in there. I recovered, and here I am in Laguna Beach on Rainbow Radio, (laughs) so that's not so bad. October 27th on this day in history, to protest a September 1970 Harper's Cover uh, story entitled The Struggle for Sexual Identity, in which the editor Joseph Epstein had lamented homosexuals as an affront to rationality, An affront to our rationality. Well, your rationality is not very rational then. And homosexuality as anathema. I don't know what that word means. Anathema. I should look these up before I read them on air, huh? Shame on me. Maybe someone can call in and tell me what anathema is. Columbia graduate student Pete Fisher stages a sit-in at the magazine's Park Avenue offices with 40 other gay activists Alliance, the C or the GAA members. Mm. Although the sit-in does not elicit an official response from the magazine, it leads to GAA's national television debut and has an enormous impact on the future of media coverage of lesbian and gay issues. That was in 1970. So that's pretty early when it was, I feel like in 1970, just the the door cracked open um, wider than it ever had been. In 1990, after 38 years on the books of federal law prohibiting gay and lesbian foreigners from entering the U.S. is repealed by Congress. So, if you were gay, you couldn't come here And up until 1990. I think I know some people that violated that. (laughs) Anyway, in 1982, the federal court of Canada orders a Canadian military to stop discriminating against gays. You know, Canada has been very... Very way ahead on that over the United States, um, just as a comment, no opinion. In 1992, Alan R. Schindler Jr., an American uh, radio man, petty officer, third class in the United States Navy, is brutally murdered for being gay. He was killed in a public toilet in Sasebo, Nagasaki, Japan, by shipmate Terry Helvey, who acted with the aid of an accomplice. Charles Vins. The ensuing murder case becomes synonymous with the, the gays in the military debate that had been brewing in the United States, culminating in the don't ask, don't tell bill. That's 92. I mean, that was a step, but it, it, it provoked a lot of problems as well, um, in my opinion. I've been throwing my opinion around a lot today. In 1999, the Fourth Court of Appeals in San Antonio, Texas, rules that Littleton and Prang, a... Versus praying, a post-operative transgender woman remains legally male, and therefore her marriage to a biological male is invalid. Now, that's in Texas, San Antonio. I thought San Antonio's a little more liberal. Well, I think it's a it's a state law. I just happened to live there. In 1999, the government of Canada. Uh, Of the Canadian province of Ontario changes 67 laws to give same-sex couples the same rights as married couples. Good on you. And that's in almost the year 2000, 1999, in the Canadian province of Ontario. In 2003, statistics from the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation show that 16.7% of hate crimes committed in the country in 2002 were due to bias against the victim's perceived sexual orientation, the highest rate in 12 years of federal records that federal records have been kept. How about that? We're getting close to the end of my uh, show. I think I have time for October 28th. I'm going to go the whole week. (laughs) I'm on a roll. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. October 28th, uh, on this day in history, in 1824, the Marquis de Christine is broken and left for dead after propositioning a male soldier in St. Danis. Danis. The scandal uh, forces him out of the closet, but he recovers and lives the rest of his life as an open sodomite with his partner, Edward St. Barbie. Uh, Christine maintains a successful social, social life in Paris, and that's 1824. Surprised they didn't a lot more worse things didn't happen to him. In 1970, Kate Millett becomes one of the first leaders in the growing women's movement to acknowledge that lesbianism when she her lesbianism when she comes out as bisexual at the daughters of Billet's meeting in New York City. In 1981, Love, Sydney, uh Sydney, a sitcom starring Tony Randall as a middle aged gay man. Tony Randall, really? <laughs> Sorry. Living in an unwed, with an unwed mother and her daughter premieres on NBC. Though gay in the made-for-TV movie, on which the series is based, as well as the plot, creators and even star Randall deny the characters homosexuality in subsequent interviews. Oh, my God. 1981, you'd think, you think that you could, I don't know. 1998, in Canada, Glenn Murray is elected as mayor of Winnipeg, Manitoba. He is the first openly gay man to be elected mayor of a major North American city. Now, I thought Laguna Beach had the first gay mayor. I have to check that out. 1998, they say North American. I mean, we're North American. Maybe not in Winnipeg, Manitoba, but... (laughs) I don't know about this info. I have to do a fact check. (laughs) And in 2009, United States President Barack Obama signs the Matthew Shepard Act, which expands federal hate crime law to include crimes motivated by a victim's actual or perceived gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. The first U.S. federal law to extend legal protections to transgender persons. Thank you, President Obama. That was 2009 Uh, and we love it so I'm going to take take it out with a song called you get what you give because we all need to give and get better in this world and that's that's the word of today give what you get get what you give give please give this is Craig on Rainbow Radio KX 104.7 have a fabulous Saturday we'll see you next week